They don't understand, they don't understand I'm running with the fam, yeah, I love the fam And we gon' serve the one that's from up above And they gon' know it's us by the way we love All my brothers and sisters and all my mothers and fathers And we gon' worship the father and we gon' drown in this water All my brothers and sisters and all my mothers and fathers And we gon' worship the father and we gon' drown in this water Family, family, family Christ died one time for my Welcome to Reformed Dads, where all things are for dads, through dads, and two dads. I'm your man, Dusty Marshall. I'm a Christian husband, father, hip-hop artist, and co-founder of Irregular for Christ Ministries. I have with me, as always, my co-host, Mr. Norm, the master's dog, Dunham. Good to have you on, brother. What's up? What's up? How we doing? Doing well, man. Doing well. I just had a busy week with uh, this rally and stuff going on. How's your week been? My week was great until Friday night when I found myself flat on my back on a roller skating rink. So I feel every bit of 46 years old and, uh, but I am committed to teaching my daughter how to roller skate and then to make, to add insult to injury, roll bounce was on that same night. I came home in pain watching roll bounce going, I used to be able to do that. Ah, and so, so there's a skating rink that's still open where you're at. There is actually like that's and, still a business that's going on. Yeah. Amazingly. So it was a fun plex. So it's got a bowler bowling alley and bumper cars and all the stuff in there and a, a foam pit and stuff, which Opal was more interested in the foam pit than the roller skating which was, I'm like, I'm out there, you know, old man rolling around on the roller skating rink, trying to get my daughter to come out. And she's like, no, I want to go jump in the foam, but yeah, no masks. I didn't, I never put a mask on. Nobody said anything to me. Um, if I hadn't actually been honest, we probably could have skated for free. We walked in the back door, went up guys, giving us skates. I'm like, well, where do we pay for all this? He's like, Oh, you don't have a <laughs> wristband yet. <laughs> like, uh. Uh, yeah, no, we don't. So he's like, okay. So he sent us off and we went and got our passes and went back to, so yeah, we have a couple of places that are still open and, um, amazingly there were a lot of people wearing masks, but I never put one on. I didn't even have one with me and never had an issue. Nobody said a word, man. That sounds like fun. I remember, uh, back in the day, that was the business like roller skating, uh, rinks, even in my day, I'm, uh, a bit younger than you, but it was still like the thing back in the day, roller rinks. I could still remember it. And, uh, you know, I remember like the transition between skates and roller blades started to happen, you know, but, uh, but like skates, skating was still a lot of fun. And uh, I'm surprised to hear that there's still some skating rinks open. That sounds like fun. And we might have to hit that up when we come visit you. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take a trip out there. It's, it's interesting because we were, Talia and I were talking about like our day, you know, there used to be walls all around and there was just two or three places where you could actually get out onto the hardwood. But I mean, this one was just wide open. And of course huh. there's no DJ booth. There's nothing. I mean, it's changed a lot from my day, you know, I mean, you, if you want to see my day of, of roller skating, you actually have to watch the movie roll bounce. It's not too bad. I think there might be a little language in there, but it's yeah. actually, that's a, that's a great movie. Um, and so you're not, a little, you're not talking about TI's version of, of the skating ring. This is before TI. Yeah, this is before TI. This is, you know, this <laughs> is the, I mean, yeah, back in the day, this was like way wide open and 
it was weird. It was, it was, it was an experience and uh, roller skating is kind of like riding a bike, but obviously if it's been a while since you rode a bike, you're probably going to fall there too. You're so. going to fall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, man, I'm excited to about the topic that we're going to talk on this week. You know, we talked about it this week and um, it's something that, you know, a lot of men and people in general just deal with, uh, which is overcoming self-doubt, overcoming indecision, uh, and just doing things. And when I, you know, it's, it's going to be good for me to clarify when I say overcoming self-doubt, I'm not saying that has nothing to do with righteousness. It has nothing to do with, uh, our right standing before God or works. What I'm speaking on is making decisions based on things that God has called us to do. Um, maybe, uh, endeavors that God has called us to do, gifts that we've been given, and either using or not using those gifts to either, you know, bring glory to God, one, provide for our families, two, and even pursue um, goals and dreams, uh, uh, you know, as men, as husbands, and as leaders of our household. Amen. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot that goes into that. God has definitely given those of us callings, and I mean, I love the way you introduce yourself. And I try to do that on like all my social media to just break it down. This is who we are. We start out as above all, we are Christians. And as Christians, God has given us, I mean, we can get into the scriptures about the gifts of the spirit, but you know, you break that down. God has given gifts of administration. God has given gifts of hospitality. You know, there are so many gifts out there that God has given. And if God has given it to us, he really expects us to use it. And so some of those are a little easier to get into using than others and not being not, there's not as so much as a fear of doubt or failure or anything like that. But some of them, you know, especially evangelism, if you're, I mean, if God has called you to be an evangelist, if God has called you to be a pastor, if God has called you to be a Christian hip hop artist, right? You know, I mean, there are things that God has called us to do, talents and gifts he's given us that a lot of those put us more in that public eye, which increases that level of fear of failure. I mean, you know, we started out being a Christian and then talking about being a husband and a father, um, you know, and I think probably in a lot of times I feel, I feel more like I could fail as a father than as a podcaster or something in the public eye. I'm, I'm, my fear lines up more inside my home. But all of those things, I mean, we need to we need to push past that because, I mean, look at society. I mean, I don't know how many of the fatherless homes are because that dad had a feel, fear of failure or just a sense of laziness. But sure. I, either way, we, we see, you know, the lack of dads in the home and men being good, faithful fathers in the home. But all that can come back to a fear of, of being a failure. Yes. Yes. And, and it's important, I think, that we talk about what actual success is from a biblical standpoint. Um, you know, you mentioned like we have goals, we have dreams, podcasting, we've been given gifts, uh, hip hop or, or, you know, for me, I feel like I, I grew up in a home where um, an entrepreneur, uh, my mom was an entrepreneur, um, I learned that from my mom from a young age. Um, I had that in me. Um, but 
but we need to talk about uh, success as it begins with first uh, our calling by God uh, as as men, as husbands, as fathers, and as people. Um, what has God called us to do? He's called us to be obedient to his law. He's called us to um, tend the earth. He's called us to be fruitful and multiply. To uh, That's just, you know, biblical callings, right? Where do they start? Starts out, you know, in Genesis. Uh, but the dominion mandate to tend the earth, these things, these are all callings by God. So we, we need to be worried first uh, or thinking first about our, obedience to our calling as God. And I think a lot of the times our fear of failure uh, stems from putting things like, you know, my job or what, whatever above initial callings uh, or, you know, my dream of being a hip hop artist above my initial calling of what God has, has called me to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, what does it look like to be successful in what God is calling us to do? You know, and what does it look like to be a successful Christian? What does it look like to be a successful husband, father, and then carrying that out to the, right. the other things that we do? Yeah, So absolutely. And you need to know, right? God's, you need to know God's word to know those things. You, what, what is a father called to do, right? He's, he's called to, uh, bring up his children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, Ephesians 6, 4. Uh, we're called to cherish and nurture our wives, Ephesians 5. Um, you know, we're, we're called to, uh, be obedient to God's law. Um, so, so there's, there's callings and knowing God's word first, like that, those things, if you're, if you're a husband and a father, um, your obedience to God is, is going to look a little different than the single man or, or someone else. But we need to be concerned with providing for our families, cherishing our wife, um, asking for forgiveness when, when we sin, repenting, you know, that, that needs to be first. Absolutely. Um, you know, God tells us things like we, we need to leave a legacy for our children. We need to, there's so many things that as dads, and I think it starts out just by, and I think success in any of these uh, spheres, I think they start out by stepping into them. I mean, success starts by doing it. You know, again, we're, we're called with working with our wives. We're supposed to wash them in the water of the word. Um, so, Success starts with, okay, let's actually start opening up the word with our wives. If we're not opening up the Bible with our wives at some point in time, uh, then we're absolutely not there. Success is not there because we're not even in the, in the field. We're not even on the court. We're not playing the game. Yes. So we're not going to be successful. So success starts at doing it. And I think in a lot of those things, success actually ends in doing it as well. You know, I mean, God, we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to be, you know, and so does it say, you know, the guy that every single day, he and his wife, they eight chapters a day, man. If, you, if you're <laughs> not doing eight chapters a day, then, then you're not successful. If you're not doing, you know, a, a doctoral thesis at the end of each week and, you know, yeah, doing it, stepping right. into. So again, there are so many people and I've found myself in this place a bunch of times because it's like, it's like the new year's resolution. I'm going to go to the gym. Okay. You, you know, 
the first Monday in every new year, you go to the gym and what do you find? You can't get a machine. You can't get a, you can't get a weight set. You can't get anything because everybody and their dog is there. Yeah. Wait a week and a half. It's back to the people that were there before. And so, so many times we find ourselves as Christians where we're like, well, I fell off and, and there's a, coming back to fear, there's a fear of getting back into it because there's almost like, I have to admit that I failed in order to start again. Right. So success means part of, part of success is admitting your failures and getting back up and do it again. It's, it's the roller skating rink. It's falling on your butt and landing on your back and crawling off the, off the hardwood to a bench and sitting there for 10 minutes, trying to catch your breath, which takes 10 minutes when you're 46, maybe less <laughs> when you're 35. But, but then it was like, I told my wife, I said, go get Opal. I'm going to go around a couple more times because I need to get her back out here. Cause if she sees me fall on my butt and then give up, then there's never going to be success in anything. Sure. So yeah. There has to be the, you know, admit your failures, admit when you've fallen short, get back up and get back in. And that's what I think that's ultimately for any Christian in anything. That's what success looks like is being willing to go because we're going to screw it up. Right. Yeah. We're going to fall. We're going to, we're going to have failures. We're going to have times where we miss it and so on, but it's a matter of getting back into the ring and, and, you know, going back at it and admitting, okay, goofed up. Here we go. Yes. So yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It's if we go into things uh, thinking that failure is our enemy, we I think that that's a wrong mindset, right? Because we like you're saying we learn by doing things and failing. If you think you're going to be good at something right away. Um, and if you're not, you're not doing it anymore. Well, then you're, you, that you're setting yourself up right. for not continuing, not learning. So, so I think what I would say, uh, my, this personally, my tip, the first thing that we need to do is, um, to have confidence in something and confidence is a word that can be broken up confide, which is with knowledge. So first we need to have some knowledge on something that we're going to try a little bit of knowledge. Um, I think that would be helpful. Um, also, you know, like you said, don't have a complete fear of falling down of messing up. Um, that, that is just part of the process of learning or doing something um, we're going to mess up. We're going to fail, but f- we learn from our failures. We learn what works, what doesn't. The third thing is, and this is uh, a verse that always stands out to me in the Bible is uh, Proverbs 24, six. It says, surely you need guidance to wage war and victory is won through many advisors. So if you want to do something, if you want to be good at something, put yourself around others who are good at that. Right. If you want to be a good, uh, uh, okay. If you want to be a faithful father and husband uh, and man of God, put yourself around other faithful men of God. Don't isolate yourself from the body. 
Exactly. And putting yourself in, I think we, we need to run a, a span of people that we put ourselves around because we should be uh, finding mentors, finding men who can mentor us, men who have done it. So like, I mean, I'm, I'm in a situation where I'm like, I need, I've got a four-year-old. So I've got to, I've got to get with men who have gone through that. So, you know, yeah. who have successfully gotten to the five-year-olds and the six and the eights and the tens and the 14s and so on, get with men who have done it. And then you also want to be putting yourself out there for the guys who are coming up behind you as well. So we need, we need to be mentoring as we mentor to, to continue on that, that chain of discipleship that Jesus gave us. So, you know, we have a model in scripture of, you know, older men and older women to mentor those who are younger and that yes. doesn't just mean senior citizens you know, <laughs> help the younger. It, it means, you know, Norm at, at 46, you need to be helping the guys that are at 32. You know, guys at 32, you need to be down there, you know, working with the guys who were at 25 and 18. And so, I mean, we have to continually be taking what we're learning and passing it on. I remember years ago, I used a, a kind of a sermon illustration of, you know, for years, I've been making a drive from Salt Lake City, where I w was born, raised, grew up, to Pueblo, Colorado, which is the other place I call home. So there's a stretch of road from Salt Lake City down through Grand Junction and down through Salida Highway 50 that I've driven that road well over 100 times, probably yeah. 200 times. And I can... I don't, but I can drive the road with my eyes closed, you know, with the metaphor. I've driven that. I know you know, where the turns are. I know where the hairpin turns are. I know where the big hills are. I know where, and I've done it so many times. I just know. And so I can show somebody that and it's become, it's become, you know, back of my hand. And mm -hmm. so I want to take that knowledge and give it to the other people who have only gone that road once or twice. Yes. You know? And so we want to, so yeah, we need to be surrounding ourselves with men who have done the things we want to do. And I mean, ultimately, that starts with being a husband and a father and a Christian. And then we can carry that out into other realms of what God has called us to do. And, you know, and then as you step out of those things, as you, I would never recommend anybody, if you're looking for parenting skills, if you're looking for, you know, advice on being a Christian father, don't go to Jordan Peterson. Don't go to Ben Shapiro. I mean, these guys, I mean, they're, they're, I'm, I don't know if Jordan Peterson has kids, honestly, but Ben Shapiro has kids. He's a dad. He can probably give you dad advice, but I don't want Ben Shapiro's advice. I want Doug Wilson's advice. I yeah. want Jeff Durbin's advice. I want Dusty Marshall's advice because these are guys that have raised children in the Christian sphere and they're not going to give me secular advice. But then when I move out of into, I mean, you know, whether it be podcasting or stuff, then I can take a little advice from guys who are outside of Christianity, but I still want to make sure that I'm taking the bulk of my mentorship from men who are in the same position who are Christians. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you want, I wouldn't say that getting advice from them is wrong, but you always have to filter it through the Christian worldview, right? You have to filter it through the scripture. You have to hold it under the black light of the Bible and see what what filters through you know um so for me you know being a father it's like I, I started going to apologia um a little over three years ago and you know i had 
in the, and I'd been a Christian, you know, uh, five, six years before that. And I never heard family worship mentioned in any of the churches that I went to. Um, I never heard things like having a Sabbath dinner or the importance of homeschooling your children before that. And I mean, you know, I was in the church for uh, probably six years before I started going there, um, I, you know, had some Christian education, never heard about, uh, you know, homeschooling, family worship, um, uh, spanking your children, <laughs> you know, any of these things. So I started going to Apologia uh, and I went to man camp one year and, you know, I, I heard the importance of family worship. And, um, it was just a, such a foreign concept to me. I'm like, how have I missed this? Uh, spanking your children, you know, spare the rod, hate the child. Like these concepts for years in church had never heard about them. And then I put myself around godly men who were, uh, committed to the scriptures. They were committed to raising families and, um, you know, my, my parenting, my fatherhood, my, my, um, being a husband, the, the scriptures and the challenge that was put on me was, um, such a good thing. And it was all because these men were committed to the word of God and having family and, um, being obedient to God's calling in their households. And it just, changed it changed me and it was all came down to uh you know god revealing through his people and being in the body and his scriptures and opening up those scriptures and you know it's a passion of mine now to uh learn more about godly parenting and being a, a godly husband um, because i know how important it is to, to God and, you know, to raising my children, like what is more, what is more important than, you know, how I treat my wife and how I raise my children besides, you know, my obedience to God, which is my obedience to God. Right. Right. And in that, if, to, if we're going to be obedient to God, that is going to cause us to walk rightly in those other areas in how we treat our wives and how we raise our children. And, and there's so many places where, I mean, even some of the churches that I came out of and I mean, the church I'm in now refuge church at the beginning, it was not, I mean, it was, I would never say refuge was a bad church, but a lot of these things weren't as much of a focus as they are. And it is, as we went from pastor to pastor and then our current pastor as he grew and, and yeah. being mentored in these things and this stuff was coming out. And, and so those things have now become because of the influence of apologia, the, the influence of Christchurch and other reformed churches that are, are covenantal and reformed that, those things are coming out more and more and becoming more of an important thing, you know, Psalm singing and stuff like that, which mm -hmm. is very new to a lot of the people in our church. And we are, you know, experiencing this stuff. And like you said, you know, family worship, I've, you know, struggled with that over the last year of, of maintaining that. Um, but I know it is very important. And, you know, Sabbath dinners, that's a, that's another thing that, that I would, 
as we're getting now growing in that it's like, I want to start doing this. And um, I'd really prefer to do a lot of Sabbath dinners at other people's houses, but I've got to learn and I've got to grow in doing that. And again, what does success look like in that? It's stepping into it and actually starting because yeah. you're never going to do it if you don't start it. And do, so you can't go, well, you know, I haven't done this. And, and, and that's the, the enemy loves to do that. He will, he will grab you and go, well, you know, you're not doing it now. So why, why even start? You're just going to, you're going to look like a failure to your wife and your kids. If you try to institute this now, they're because right. they're going to be like, well, why haven't we been doing this all the time? And then yeah. you're going to have to admit, well, I, I, I was, lacking in what I was called to do, but now we're making it up. So it, it really does got to be taking that first step, getting out there and doing what you got to do. Yes. And that's a huge principle. It's like, don't feel like you got to do it in perfection. You know, uh, when I started reading the Bible with my wife, literally it was probably five minutes in the morning and people are like five minutes and start somewhere. Okay. If it's five minutes, set your, set your watch for five minutes, turn everything off, do five minutes. It's amazing how God turns five minutes into half an hour, how he turns five minutes into an hour in the morning. You start somewhere, be consistent and God will bless it. Right. I, I started, like I said, five minutes in the morning, read with my wife very early on, you know, in our Christian walk and our marriage and, you know, um, God blessed it. And it, you just, just start somewhere family worship, you know, the, the guys who've been, who are, you know, quote unquote experts at it, the guys at, you know, Christ church, they're like, make it a joyful experience. Um, have your kids sing a song with them at, at breakfast, sing a worship song, start there. Don't feel like you have to put a sermon in, um, just start things, especially when it has to do with your family and your calling by God, read the word with your wife. What does that look like? It doesn't have to be, uh, all day, uh, start, uh, teaching the scriptures to your children five minutes a day, whatever that looks like family worship, just start. And like you said, when your kids say, well, daddy, that, you know, maybe your kids are older, maybe they're in their teens when they say, daddy, uh, we've never done this before. Well, you know what, honey, God says, and I haven't been faithful into this, but God says, why do we need to start doing this, daddy? You can tell your child, well, God says, right? And that's, that's all you need to say. Absolutely. I mean, and, and one, it's good for our kids to see us repenting. Yes. Because, you know, if, if we never repent, then how can we call them to repent? Because they're like, well, because it gives them the idea of, well, I should be perfect like my parents are. They never I, they never have to repent. So if I go to them, they're going to view me as a failure. But when they can see us go to God and say, OK, Lord, I repent because I haven't done this. I haven't been on par. I haven't been doing what I'm supposed to do, even, you know, and again, not the amount, but the actual activity I haven't done it. God, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm getting it going. And so when they can see that, then that gives them the confidence that they can come to us and they can go to God when they need to repent. 
of these things. And again, like you said, whether it's a song at breakfast, I mean, if you're doing the, the new city catechism, uh, which is the catechism I do with my daughter. And I'm really glad that that all came out before certain entities that are, are part of that kind of went woke. <laughs> um, but I, I still can, I still stand confident in my use of the new city catechism, but there are songs that go along with each one of the questions. So it's like now when I ask Opal, Opal, what is our only hope in life and death? She doesn't just come to me with the question. She actually sings our song. Our only hope, our hope life and death. We are not our own, but belong to God. Right. So there's the songs. And so we can sing those songs together. And that puts us on the path to actually singing psalms and singing worship songs together and doing those things. You know, scripture with your wife. I mean, my wife and I, back in the day, we started doing, you know, we were trying to do those uh, Bible in one year books that are broke up, that are out of order, that are all discombobulated anyway. But so we're trying to do those. And we got to points where, you know, both being very young Christians that we would get into arguments over the verses, you know, especially mm. Old Testament stuff. I, I don't I don't like that view of God. I, I mean, he just said to to dash their children against rocks. Who is that? Right. And yeah. so it got to the point where it almost had to become we do two or three verses and then talk them out and find some kind of study on it. So, again, it it it's going to look different than ever with everybody, whether where you're at on your, in your own Christian walk and where you stand, where your wife is, how much you do. And like you said, that five minutes, that three verses can turn into a 30 minute conversation before one of you goes to work if you have working wives or whatever, um, you know, it can be 30 minutes before you leave for work and then it turns into 30 more minutes over dinner because yeah. you've had all day to think about those things. And then you come back and go, well, I was thinking about this, this and that. So it turns into much, much more. And we get that opportunity to literally wash our wives in the water of the word. Yeah. And so, but what it does, is it also drives us to study. Yes. Right? It drives us to study. If I, if I'm looking at a verse and my wife goes, wait a minute, I don't know what that means. Well, if I don't know what that means, now I've got to go figure it out so I can come back and I can pass that on to her. And yes. so it, it, it's a, a constant driving to learn more, to be more mature, to be more uh, in-depth in our knowledge of, of the scripture. But it, yes. it, it starts with five minutes. It starts with a song on a catechism that grows into singing the Psalms. Yes. And, and again, it, you don't have to be, a grand musician. I don't expect all the, all the dads to do family worship, to go learn how to play guitar and, <laughs> you know, and, and be able to do it or the piano or whatever. I mean, if you, you can either, you know, there are guys that are right now putting out some really good renditions of the Psalms um, where you can take it, but do it acapella. You don't have yeah. to sound good. It's right. just the people in your home. And if your children are going to be honest with you and tell you what my daughter did it to me the other day, she just, she said, dad, I don't know what it was. not anyway. it was lean on me. She's singing lean on me in the bathroom. And so I come around the corner, she's brushing her teeth and, and I, you know, start singing and she's like, daddy, I don't like the way you sing. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. okay, well, <laughs> you know, it, yeah. that's okay. You don't have to like the way I sing. I'm going to still sing. Yes. And, and we're going to worship God in that way, or we're just going to embarrass our kids with lean on me. Yeah. I, I, I can rap. I cannot sing. Let's just put it out there. I can rap. I cannot sing. 
And uh, that's all right. I'm loud and I, I'm singing loudly to the Lord with our children. And, you know, that's the thing in any in any area of our lives. I don't know. I'm I'm definitely one. You know, my wife has to talk me off the ledge of perfectionism sometimes. And that's you know, that could be sinful, you know, uh, to a, a T like. I want everything to be really good. I want things to, you know, I want artwork to be good when I'm doing things. I want sound to be good. But, you know, in family worship, if you're just starting out, just do something. And make a make, joyful noise. Make it, yeah. And make it like you just said it. Make it joyful. Don't make your family worship the most boring. You're yelling at your kids uh, to be quiet and listen let them dance around, let them run around, make it, uh, make it fun, make it enjoyable, but just do it. Right. Absolutely. Just do it. Absolutely. So, and I would say, make it loud. Yeah. Make, make it, it joyful, loud. make it loud because yeah. that, again, one of the things that has been in our church trying to, for raising up men. And I say this to you, dads, when you're in church and you're singing, whatever it is that you're singing, whether it's contemporary worship, whether it's hymns, whether it's Psalms, Sing loud. Yeah. Sing loud. Let your children see you sing loud. Yeah. Because again, we are, we are men that will be willing to yesterday watching, watching teams. I don't even like play football. Right. (laughs) I mean, I'm watching, I'm watching football and my, my dog is no longer in the fight. So I put out on social media. I'm like, I'm officially a Buffalo's bill fans fan for the rest of the season because I, as a Denver Broncos fan by, by rule, I cannot root for the Kansas city chiefs and Tom Brady plays on the bucks. So we can't root for them either. So we, mm-hmm. and now I'm out again. Now I don't even have a dog in that fight, but I was getting loud, you know, watching, you know, the, there was a muffed punt return and, and Buffalo re- got the ball back on the three yard line and, you know, Casey, man, and I'm like, yes. And my wife's like, are you Okay. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's football. And oh, okay. We are so willing to be loud in our homes, watching football in a stadium, watching football or baseball or a concert or whatever. How many times have we gone out to sporting events and come home with no voice, but Mm. yet we are the, we we're trying to be the church mouse in church and we are not willing to raise our voices. And, and, you know, you may not be in a church where there's every once in a while a hearty amen from the congregation, but be that guy. Yeah. Give a good, loud, solid amen when you agree with your pastor. And when you're singing those songs, raise your voices. Yeah. My daughter doesn't know how to sing quiet because every time we're at church, when we are singing at the end of the at the end of the service, she wants me to hold her and she sits there and she watches me sing and I sing loud. Yeah. And it's because and it's it's not because I'm good. And, I, and I'm not trying to drown anybody else out. I just want my worship to be God to know that I'm willing to raise my voice to, to worship him. And my daughter sees that. So when she's around the house and she's singing, she doesn't know how to sing quiet because yeah. the example that she's been given is loud. So make it loud and make it joyful. Amen. <laughs> so I want to get now into, you know, kind of, uh, our pursuits, you know, using our, our gifting, uh, use, you know, we're using our gifting obviously in, in our household. And, and, but I want to talk about now using our gifts, either in evangelism, ministering, um, income for your family, uh, a pursuit that you might have your job, right. 
Um, so obviously first we got to talk about our calling is our calling is to provide for our families, right? We're to right. teach them to raise them up. We're called to provide sitting on the couch, uh, pursuing a rap career, uh, and let, and collecting a government check. Well, that's not, that's not providing for your family. That's not doing what you're calling to do. I want, I'm going to read this verse to you. First Timothy five, eight. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Sending your wife off to provide for the family while you sit on the couch or you pursue some dream of yours, some something. Okay. There may be a time. Okay. I'll say that you know, you're going to school or something, your wife has a job, whatever it may be. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is you, this is men provide for your household. He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Right. Let's talk about that. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've watched this happen. I mean, I've watched men uh, who have absolutely abandoned their families to go pursue some other thing that they, and I mean, and men who tried to convince you that God told them to do it. And I'm like, well, one, you got to come back to the word and realize that you're literally walking away from your family. You're, sure. you, I mean, I mean, that's a worst case scenario in this, but this is, I mean, guys who are like, I need to go do this. And God told me to, well, no, he didn't. Cause he would never tell you to abandon your family, but you did. But even in that, I, I mean, personal situation. I've, you know, my wife and I have been, you know, dual income for a long time. And we're at a point where we needed that to, you know, afford mortgage and stuff like that. And so we're doing, but I was constantly, because of what God has called me to constantly looking for a new job to pay better. So that at some point in time, our, our goal is with the construction that's going on is that we can do what needs to be done, refinance our house, pay off all of our debt to where we no longer need her income. And then at that point, I mean, I would never say to my wife, you never can work again. You know, that's not the, but she, right now she doesn't want to. And we're in a, we're in a, we've put ourselves in a place. Some people would say sinfully, we could have that, that debate, but we put ourselves in a place where we need both incomes but my goal was to continue to find something where my income got better to where I can put myself and we can see this light at the end of the tunnel where she can step back and either, you know, she can work part-time and that would be our having fun, traveling, doing this other stuff money, but yeah. I would be able to provide for my family. Yeah. And so that was the goal. And that's what I did. And I finally got to a point and it was, it just took, you know, determination. I am going to find a job that pays better than $42,000 a year so that I don't need this second income so I can provide for my family. Yes. And so men, I mean, we should ultimately be trying to be the breadwinners. And again, there may be a situation where, whether it's schooling to, to get a better job. I mean, maybe you're going to PA school and, you know, you, you can, you're working part-time at, you know, delivering for, for Domino's 
to make a little bit, but your wife is the primary breadwinner while you get this degree to be where you can say, now I am the breadwinner. I am providing for my family. Anything else that is done, if my wife wants to be a Proverbs 31 wife and have a, a business in the marketplace and bring in a little bit of an income, that's great. But she is not the one that we are relying on in our home to provide for our family. Yeah, I think the thing there is, are you fulfilling your duty to your children first and your calling by God, right? Are you are you guys both working and then your child's being sent off somewhere else and not raised right. up correctly, not raised up in God's word, not being trained? Like that's the question. Like I'm I'm all for it, like women working. That that's if that's what they're able to do, but when but when that takes away from their child being raised right. in God's word, then it becomes a problem, right? Absolutely. Then if when they're when they're being raised by Caesar or an ungodly state, right. then it's a problem. Okay. Um, I've made stupid decisions in the past with schooling that have put me in debt. And the right thing I believe to do would have been to work during that and maybe have taken less classes and it takes longer to do, you know, um, I've done things with businesses where I've gone into debt, um, instead of working to save and then starting the business, putting money aside. Um, I didn't have proper teaching. Um, and, but it essentially lands on me. It is my fault. Um, so we need to think about these things vain pursuits, right? If, if you have a goal, if you have a dream, be willing to work for it. I think one of the problems we also have with our successes and failures is we think we need it right now. We, I need, I need, I need, I should be, uh, doing, I should be on the radio with my music right now. I should be, uh, people should be listening to my music right now. Um, I should buy this, equipment today and just go into debt for it, put my family in debt for it today, instead of working, putting money aside, being a man, and then, you know, and then paying for it by, by the money I put aside. There's, there's things, there's thinking, I guess, that we just need to consider. And this comes down to what I said earlier, Proverbs 24, 6, surely you need guidance to weigh his war and victory is won through many advisors. Talk to your pastors about the decisions that you're making, right? right. Talk to, talk to the, your spiritual mentors who have the word of God, who know what it says about debt. Um, as I said in the church before, uh, I've never heard men talk about um, going into debt even right. like, that was just part of the American dream is you go into debt, possibly you're always in debt. You keep living this way. And I never heard people talk about being a slave to the debtor, right? I never, the, 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 the person with the debt is a slave to the debtor. It's like, I never heard about these things talked about and now I'm in debt. Um, but you know what? It's my calling to work and to pay that debt. Absolutely. Right. And you know, coming back to talking about kids, you know, we want to make sure that not everybody's going to have the benefit of, uh, you know, a Logos Academy, 
you know, up in, in Idaho where they can, there's a Christian school where they can send their kids to where they are, they know they're going to be raised up. A lot of us are in a place where it's like we, if we want our child to have an appropriate Christian education, we've got to do it at home or we've got to do it in a local co-op with our church. We don't have, so we are going to have to have somebody who is at home, you know, at some point in time. It's why, you know, the job that I took, you know, I had, I had a possibility of taking a swing shift job instead of graveyard shift job. And I was like, I can't do the swing shift because that's going to cut out a whole lot of time that I have with my family. And it's going to cut out other things that are, are ministry minded. But doing graveyards, I can go into work at 10 o'clock at night. I come home at seven o'clock. I have three to four hours to homeschool my daughter. And I can do homeschool with her. And she's four years old, dude. And it is so frustrating. Four-year-olds hate to do <laughs> school. She, yeah. she, it's funny because if we go to other people's houses and they have schoolwork, she loves it. She wants to go do the other kids' schoolwork. She does not want to do what, what daddy wants her to do. And so sure. we, we bump our heads and so on. But I am here doing that. And I, I made those decisions specifically for that opportunity. I don't want my daughter you know, indoctrinated by Caesar. I don't, right. you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to be that guy that says, oh, well, it's kind of evangelism and, you know, you can send her off and then let her come home and you can explain to her why they're wrong. Right. Well, yeah. sooner or later, their influence, uh, bad company corrupts good character. Yep. You know, it, it Generally, that is the way it goes. She is not going to go into a public school and turn it around and make it Christian. You know, I mean, we could make that movie and it would be a, would just be a fake movie, honestly. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, that's not the reality of what happens. What happens is she's got 500 people telling her one thing at school and then and she comes home and she's got mommy and daddy telling her something different. Whereas we can take control of that education and we can do. And so all those things, again, they have to come into consideration sure. of what we are doing and what is our calling. And, you know, again, I, I work a job that, that is not something that I'm like, this is what I've always wanted to be. You know, I mean, I, didn't grow up going, I want to be a graveyard shift sanitation supervisor at a vegetable packing plant. That was not my career goal. You know, yeah. I mean, I wanted to be an actor and all kinds of other things and a fireman and a Dallas cowboy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah. Yeah, I got team. old and fat. But um, so but this is a job that God has provided me to provide for my family. And it's something that I can do well at. And I do work as if I'm working unto the Lord um, yeah. because he's provided it. And and he you know, when I was praying about a new job and what I wanted, God gave me above and beyond. You yeah. know, I said I basically said, God, I want something where I can be involved in homeschooling my daughter where I have more time with my family and make more money. And he gave me that in, in droves. And yeah. so, but those are the goals as far as working, you know, but when we, when it is something that like a, a music career, you know, God has given you a talent um, and, and greatly bless you with a talent. You, you know, you're in my top 10, mm -hmm. you know, of, of Christian yeah. MCs you're a great artist and God has given you that ability. But again, there is a, 
a method and a process that happens when, when we are pursuing those things. And I love what yeah. you said. It doesn't have to happen right now. Right. You know, we, but we want it. I mean, I, you know, move stuff from YouTube to Gab thinking I'm, you know, one weekend I'm going to have 3000 followers. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, no, it didn't happen that way, but we plod, you know, Yes, that's important. Just what what Doug, Doug Wilson would say, we plot along. We just, we continue to do what it is that we do because we know we're called to do it. And so yes. we're going to keep doing and keep going. And, and again, it's the, it's the mentality of you got to get out there and do it. Yes. So, so with what you're saying, I want to kind of apply this to, to people in different stages, because you said the stage that you're at you understand it's important. You have a child. You want to raise her up correctly. You don't want her to be raised by the state. So you've made a decision to have a job that would allow you to homeschool her. So for couples before they have children, let's think about that. And, and you know, husbands and wives, no children. You have an opportunity to both work there. You have an bo- opportunity to both save, but you shouldn't be neglecting the word. You shouldn't be neglecting your time that you spend together with God or church. So you'll pro- maybe making decisions like, well, will my job allow me to go to church on Sundays? Will my job allow me to spend time with my wife early on in my marriage so I come from, I have a, a finance background. I've worked in finance before. Um, but early on in my marriage, my wife and I sat down and we said, I said, you know, would we rather have uh, more money or would we rather have more time together? And my answer was, I'd rather have more time together. And that was also my wife's answer. And because of that, you know, I could have gone into a finance job or an accounting job. And if God would have blessed that, you know, financially, we could have been doing very well. But it, those type of jobs, I mean, working in finance, you could work, you know, 60 to 70 hours a week. And that's, that's the norm. And I didn't want that. You know, I wanted more time with my wife. That was important. And I wanted to be able to go to church and study the word. And for me, I was, you know, early on in recovery. So I had a small group that I was going to, which really helped me. Um, But, uh, you know, make your decisions on what you're going to do based on, on being obedient to God. I mean, you might have a job that pays more, but I'm never getting to church on Sunday. I'm not, a, I'm disobeying God by not being in the fellowship uh, of, of other believers. I'm not hearing the word preached. So take into account when you're, when you're going into these jobs and pursuing maybe talents that God has given you is, is this taking away from my initial calling? Um, because that's gotta be first. So you start there and then, you know, finances, God blesses those things um, when you're obedient to these other things, when you're obedient to giving. Um, so, so start with your obedience to God in your decision making, not what pays the most, not what, um, you know, provides the most because that that's something to consider. And you may be saying, well, you know, I can earn all of this money really quickly. And then later on, um, I can go back to church or go back. Like uh, it doesn't, it doesn't really work that way. Right? right. Personally, from, from my experience, it doesn't work that way. Um, jobs that start off 60 hours a week, you know, um, they rope you in a lot of the times and, and uh, it can, it can bog you down. I mean, 
That's just personally from experience. But I would say make decisions based from the core of what God has called you to do first, not what's going to provide the most for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's comes down to knowing where you're going to sacrifice and what sacrifices um, have to be made. Like you said, talking it out and going, what do you want more money or more time together? And the reality is, is even if one of the answers was more money and, you know, I, as you were talking, I was thinking about, uh, um, Dave Ramsey and the financial peace stuff. And part of what he talks about at the beginning is, you know, being gazelle intense on um, paying off debt and so on. And so one of the things he says is live like nobody else. So at some point in time, you can live like nobody else, right. And get to that point. But what happens is, you know, so you'll see people getting, you know, you got guys working a main job and a part-time job, getting a bunch of stuff to where they can pay off debt, but then time with your spouse is missing. And so you go from having arguments about finances to having arguments against time spent together. And, and so you have to weigh that. You really have to weigh that. What is God calling you to do? What does God tell you as a husband you need to do for your wife? Where is your wife and what are her needs? And, and so, and so it is, it's a, it's a a balance game. You know, I've always found myself where I tried to go, well, I'm going to take this job and it's just because it's kind of a mindless job. I should be able to just do a nine to five and not have to worry about anything. And then the rest of the day is mine. But then what happens is my drive and my need to succeed gets in the way and I end up working 60, 70 hours a week. I end up working, you know, way longer than I should. And so then my, my time with my wife, which is what she would prefer suffers. Right. And so it it is, it really is going back to the word of God and making sure you can find that balance and do to where you're providing for your family, but you are honoring your wife and your kids or future kids at that yeah. point in time. Yes. So yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a really good point that you made of just kind of making those decisions together, but being knowing when you have to sacrifice, where yeah, you and, can sacrifice. Yeah. And, and where, like you said, where you can sacrifice, sometimes that's, I don't need to eat out every day of the week, make those sacrifices Absolutely. instead. I don't need to have a nice car and an expensive car payment Make those make sacrifices there rather than the time, time that you spend together because you will not get that time back. Right. 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 So let's talk about now. We talked a little bit about work. Pick a job, provide for your family. If you have a specific gifting that God's given you, maybe you're an entrepreneur like I've always had that. Um, start a business and don't go into debt to do so. Put money aside, save. Uh, and maybe that business isn't full time when you start out, maybe like you were saying earlier, Doug Wills, uh, you know, plod away. That business is just supplemental in the beginning. That business is supplements a little bit of income. Um, and then eventually down the road, maybe it becomes a full-time thing or it becomes, it still stays supplemental, but don't, um, I, here's, here's the principle, right? Uh, scripture talks about 
Proverbs 28, 19. And this will talk about giftings and then, you know, maybe starting your own business. Um, Proverbs 28, 19 says, one who works his land will have plenty of food, but one who follows empty pursuits will have plenty of poverty. So this principle here, I love it. It says one who works his land will have plenty of food. One of the things that I try to focus on and think about is what has God put around me now, right? Instead of like, what do I need to go find, pursue, look for? A principle that I think is huge is what is around me now or what did I learn in my past or what do I come from um, that I have this land to till, to work, and not to chase after being a rock star because I never played a guitar when I grew up. I never uh, learned an instrument. So, you know, I'm not not saying like don't learn an instrument, but, you know, maybe your calling isn't to then learn an instrument and become a rock star later on in life. But I come from a hip hop background, you know, that was part of the culture. I started writing in high school, was around other people who wrote. Uh my mom was in the music business as far as she was a business manager uh, for other musicians. So like I, I come from a music background. I come from a business background. Um, this is something that God has already put in me. And, you know, I'm just continuing to plot away and use that. And it's eventually growing and growing and growing and growing slowly um, and it's not a vain pursuit. It's some, it's, it's a, it's a land. It's a gifting that God has given me. It's a land. It's part of my land. And I'm looking at my land instead of somebody else's land. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, yeah, with, with things like that, as we're, we're pursuing those things, you know, for me, it's, it's podcasting. I would love to be able to, at some point in time, make a living just talking to people. I mean, that's, that's a gifting that God has given me. It's something that I've done. I've done radio in the past. I've done, you know, some acting and, and things like that. But right now this is, it's just a hobby, mm-hmm. but it's something that I really feel like God has given me to do. And he's saying, you know, improve your craft, improve it through right now, just being a hobby. I mean, I could, I could start a Patreon, but it would be, it would be pointless at this point in time. Maybe it down the road, that'll be a a avenue that is taken. But so he's given me this gifting. And right now I, you know, it, it comes out of sacrifice of my time. And so finding Okay, time when I can do this where it doesn't affect my time with my my daughter, it doesn't affect my time with my wife, it doesn't affect my time at church. And so it is, you know, I get a couple hours usually at like one in the morning when I'm able to do some of the stuff that God has called me to do in podcasting and so on. But for the, you know, again, these are pursuits and it's plotting. It is I'm doing what I can to pursue my craft and taking my time because one of the things you talked about just a little bit ago 
you know, now as they're finishing the bedrooms in my basement, we can move our bedroom out of the front room. I can set up a podcast studio and I've got, you know, I've got all these things in my mind. I want to have my main setup where my main desk, where my main camera is and so on. But now I want to do like a teaching corner. So I need a whiteboard and I need another camera to point that direction. Mm -hmm. So now I need a wireless mic to use when I'm over in that corner. And so I'm literally, before we started this today, I'm on Amazon looking at prices on this stuff. And it's like, and initially it was like, okay, add that to my cart. And then it's like, then there are some things that we needed to buy. And I'm like, wow, that's a, it's a lot of money. Okay. Now I need to go take this stuff. This goes into my, this is what I want segment. So it's still there and I can mm -hmm. see it and I know that I want it and I'm going to need it, but I can't buy that today. Right. I can't, I don't have to have it now. Right. Yes. But God is giving me and he's calling me and he's, he's, and it, but he, again, when you have these things, whether it's evangelism, whether it's, you know, and it could be starting your own business. It could be, um, you know, starting a community garden, any of these things that can be, it could be starting a Christian school in your area to benefit for the benefit of people. That's what Doug Wilson did. I mean, they yeah. started the Logos Academy up there because he wanted his kids so he's yeah. like, we're starting a school because right. I don't want my kids taught. And then it grew and it grew. And that may be what God calls you to do. Step in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I like the time to do it to where it doesn't take away from church, home and family and provision and start doing it where you can. You know, if that means you replace another hobby with that. Yes. Football is pointless anymore. Tom right. Brady wins everything. Nobody cares anymore. <laughs> I mean, I'm more interested in the Pro Bowlers Association championships in February than I am in the Super Bowl right now because I don't care. Yes. Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, neither one of them are nope. my guy. Nope. So take that time, the three hours or six hours on a Sunday that you devoted to watching football and put it into something else. You yes. Know? Personally, I'd say part of that should go into singing psalms and, and songs with your kids. But then do, you know, take two hours in the afternoon and start working on what it is that you feel like God is calling you to do. That that was where I started with podcasting. And it was literally, I, I, I can't remember exactly the way that Kurt Kennedy uh, phrased it. But it, it came to me like, an, as he was talking, I heard in my head, yo, Dre, I got something to say. You know, I went back to my old NWA days and I'm hearing mm -hmm. Ice Cube in my head, you know, yo, Dre, I got something to say. And that was what I felt. God has given me something to say. How can I find the time to where I'm not affecting my family, but I can find the time to say it. And I started doing, you know, the podcast that I did, the evangelical norm. That was how that was born. And it started out with just me sitting down at, like 11 o'clock at night, my daughter was asleep. My wife was asleep. I was downstairs, flipped on the camera. Here it is. Here's yes. 30 minutes. I don't edit. I don't, I, I turn the camera on whatever stupid thing comes out of my mouth. I record <laughs> and I upload it to the internet and yeah. some people like it and some people hate it, but it is growing in what God has called me to do. And it is, it's moving forward. And and now there are some, some things in the works and, and in the future that could be potentially where I could turn this into a money-making thing. But yeah. right now, until those things are solid and concrete, I'm just going to keep doing what God has called me to do and try to be faithful in those things. Yes.
Yeah, you said a, a few things that like, for those of you who don't know what plotting is, plotting is uh, Douglas Wilson wrote a book called Plotactivity. And basically what it is, is doing things for short spurts of time over long periods of time. So for instance, if you want to learn something or you want to write a book or you want to record a song or start a podcast, do 15 minutes every morning, get up 15 minutes earlier. And in the span of a year, you will have spent 15 minutes every single day working on that to where you're eventually moving towards an end goal or a goal. And it's not about, oh, I got to get this podcast up today. You don't have to do things in today. It's doing things over a long period of time, plotting, moving towards that goal. Two, what you said, brother, is sacrifice your time. Get up earlier. Stay up later. Don't sacrifice your time with your family or your children. You sacrifice your time. And do it. Do it joyfully. And you know what? Cultivate your gift. Learn as you go. Learn from others. It goes back to surrounding who you surround yourself in. You can learn so many things on the internet. I learned how to mix and master and record all online on YouTube. You can learn so many things now on YouTube. Um, I don't know how long YouTube's going to last for Christians, but hopefully you can still go on there and learn things. But I'm just saying, like, sacrifice your time, learn. Um, so, so if I was going to go back to the things that we're discussing, we would say, you know, first off, obedience to God, his calling for you as a man, as a husband, as a man of God, make decisions based on that. Put yourself around other godly men, provide for your family, do what you are called to do, provide for your wife, lead well, be the leader of your household, um, and do stuff sacrifice if you want to if you have a pursuit that you want to go after if you want to start a business you sacrifice for it you work for it you have step into it do it commit time to it and don't think that you have to have it done perfectly right then and today it might be years down the road it might never come to to be but just start working start somewhere don't start in perfection Always be learning, always be learning about it and don't put yourself in debt to do it. Work towards it, Amen. save and put money aside. And Absolutely. you know what? That if you put in those principles, you will be successful. You know why? Because you will be obedient to God in that. You won't be sacrificing your family and your calling by God in order to get there. And you will learn so much on your way there. I've, right. I've reached certain goals that I have and it, it's awesome. And I, I celebrate those, but man, the journey getting there, the journey, learning the journey, making mistakes and learning from those mistakes, the journey and asking, being, putting down my pride and asking people what I should do in certain situations man, I've learned so much to now. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I know that regardless of the, the money in my bank or, or, you know, the nice cars in my driveway, I know that, um, I'm being faithful to God's calling, 
Um, I know that I'm putting uh, my family in a place where they're supposed to be, which is above my pursuits. And you know what? Um, I've been doing music since I was, I've been performing since I was 18. I'm 30. Uh, I'm going to be turning 37 very soon. And you know what? My, my music, the ministry that God has called me to, they provide for me uh, to where I, I have a home and these things uh, that God has blessed me with. I'm not rich, but you know what? I get to do what I love. It's taken a long time to do. I've learned a lot getting there and I can share that knowledge with others. Like my brother was saying, share that knowledge with others as you're learning uh, teach what you've already learned to others who are in a similar position, discipleship. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I am successful because, um, not because of my extreme major talents or my never failing. Um, I'm successful because of a right understanding of what success is. I'm willing to fail. Uh, I fail more than I succeed, way more than I succeed. Um, but I get to do music. I get to travel. I get to be with my family. I get to do a podcast with my brother and we get to share the things that are on our mind and on our heart with others, hopefully encouraging them to step out uh, and take some chances with some right things in mind. Absolutely. And the last thing that I would say is don't be afraid of success. Don't let a fear of success hold you back because, you know, again, I listen to, I mean, I sit in the reformed hip hop world of, of like music and stuff that I listen to. And I'll hear people say, and I was one of these guys, I'll hear people say, well, I'm not doing this for a spot in the top 10. Well, you really do. You want to be in the top 10. You want to be, we want to produce good hip hop. We want to yeah. produce whatever it is that God has given us. We want to do it and we want to be successful. And we don't want to allow false humility to hold us back for a long time. I did not record any of the like on the street evangelism stuff that I did because I didn't want people to go, Oh, well, you're just trying to be the next, next Jeff Durbin. You're just trying to be, you know, the next Ray comfort. You're just trying to be this guy. And so I wouldn't record and put those things out there to the benefit of somebody else, because I didn't want to look like I was trying to be prideful or anything like that. But the reality is we need guys like you and whether they're actors or podcasters and stuff like that to have podcasts that become successful to where we can overshadow some of these other ones. We need shine lens to outshine the Lecrae's that, is Shine Lynn in one of his songs on his on the Still Jesus album talked about you crossed over without taking the crossover, right? So we want we want podcasts like this and and other podcasts to come up and to overshadow the podcasts that are just giving you secular advice and stuff. We want things that are you know we want cross politic to become a far more popular show than the Ben Shapiro show. And it's not that I don't want them, those other people to have their success. We want the word of God and those shows that, and artists and things that find themselves balanced and based in God's word. We want them to be better and we want them to overshadow and we want them to take over and take dominion in those realms 
so that God's word is glorified. And it's not about us. It's, you know, I can say, you know, the, the amazing thing, there's a guy, Count Zinzendorf, and a lot of the dude's theology was really bad. So don't go look him up. But the one thing that he is remembered for, ironically, is a quote where he says, I just want to preach the gospel, die and be forgotten. Right. Yeah. You know, we, we kind of find ourselves, but we want to do that to the point where God is glorified over all of the lies and the deceit and the garbage that is out there. We want to be making things, businesses that, that do well. We want to be making, and if, if that means we become somewhat famous, so be it. Make sure you've got guys that can keep you humble, you know. Toby Sumter, Chuck Knox, and Gabe Wrench, they have Doug Wilson that's going to keep them humble. You know, yeah. you've got Jeff Durbin that's going to keep you humble. If you ever, you know, get to the point where you are superstar Dusty Marshall, you're going to have elders that are going to speak into your life and go, hey, Jeff Durbin has James White. You know, yeah. we all have those guys that are there that will go, all right, let me check you a little bit. Sure. But keep doing what you're doing for the glory of God because ultimately, We've got to get out there and be seen if we're going to glorify God. Amen. Yes. Yes. Amen. Don't don't waffle on your decisions and say, oh, well, I might get popular, so I shouldn't do this. Okay. I, I understand like we're doing this for God, but you're also sometimes doing things because you enjoy it and God has put it in you to love those things, or you're doing something to provide for your family, which God has given you your family, right? If your goal is fame and fortune, you shouldn't be doing it. If your goal is to bring glory to God and fame and fortune come, well, God, God might, God probably, God gave that to you and it might be to destroy you. I don't know, but you know what the, the thing is, is do make decisions, make them from your core, make them from your worldview and your filter. Don't be afraid of success. Don't be, but Also, like my brother said, have people in place that are going to hold you accountable because pride does get puffed up. But just because pride may get puffed up, that doesn't mean it's it's your out for not doing something. Right. You know, God God came to Solomon and said, what do you want? Do you want riches and glory or do you want wisdom? And Solomon said, I want wisdom. And he used that wisdom to the point that God added the riches and the glory with it. And. I mean, that's not necessarily a great ending to the Solomon story because he didn't have somebody that kept him checked and so on. Well, he had he had prophets that came and, and did what they could. But again, when we're doing something because we want to glorify God, and that was what Solomon's intent in taking the, the wisdom over the riches was yeah. to give God glory through this wisdom. And he became the wisest man known, and God blessed that. And so... That's the mentality we should have as we look at, we want to do these things for God. And then if God is, if we're doing them rightly and for his glory, God is ultimately going to bless them. Amen, brother. Well, guys, this has been our podcast and I'm going to end our show with this. Proverbs 24, 6 says, surely you need guidance to wage war and victory is won through many advisors. Thank you guys for tuning in. I don't understand. I don't understand. I'm running with the fam, yeah, I love the fam. And we gon' start a one that's from up above.
And they gon' know it's us by the way we love All my brothers and sisters and all my mothers and fathers And we gon' worship the Father and we gon' drown in this water All my brothers and sisters and all my mothers and fathers And we gon' worship the Father and we gon' drown in this water Family, family, family Christ died one time for my whole family Family, family, family Christ died one time for my whole family